is The Talking Dead, a podcast dedicated to the AMC TV show, The Walking Dead. Hi there, everybody. My name is Chris. And my name is Jason. And this is The Talking Dead, number 396, recorded on Monday, October the 8th, 2018. Welcome to the program, everyone. It is indeed a Monday, not Tuesday. We're making an exception to the new schedule this week because, uh, for well, for two reasons. Number one, today is a holiday in Canada. It is Thanksgiving, so we all had the day off, which meant lots of free time to watch the episode and record a podcast about it. That's the thinking. Yeah. You, well, that's exactly. It worked out for me. I don't know about yeah. for you, but you're here. So Very busy day. But happy Thanksgiving, Christopher. Thanks, man. Thanks. You too. And happy Thanksgiving to all the Canadians around the world celebrating Thanksgiving today. Uh, and also because, you know, it's the season premiere and we're just anxious to get going, raring to get going if uh, in a way. And so the, the holiday was just kind of a, a bonus that gave us the time to get it out today instead of tomorrow. So here we are on a Monday recording, and we are going to talk about the new season of The Walking Dead. So with that in mind, I just wanted to welcome back everyone who is back listening. I know there are, are a number of listeners that don't stick with us through the off season, either because they don't watch Fear the Walking Dead, which is mostly what we cover when Walking Dead's not on, or they just move on to other things and kind of tune in just when the main show is running. So welcome back to all you guys. I'm, we're, you know, super happy to have you back. Glad you're here. And if you're a new listener and you're just discovering us now, welcome also. So glad to have you guys on board too. Uh, it's always wonderful to have new listeners. So great. That's great as well. I can just hear the new listeners now. Like I can hear them. You can just. Yeah. In my mind's ear. <laughs> if that's a thing. Sure. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> all right. Well, Jason can hear you, and I would just like to say welcome, hope you enjoy, and uh, yeah, stick stick with us for a little bit. If anyone is new and wants to send in comments or feedback, talkingdeadpodcast at gmail.com is the easiest way to get in touch, but we'll we'll run through all that stuff at the end of the podcast for now. Just glad to have you on board. Yeah, and get your parents to teach you how to type. What you said, Chris, was if anyone's new, you know, feel free to email us. So new people need to learn how to type first and or use email. Chris, uh, Chris, my son uh, Jasper is uh, learning how to send email. Is he now? He's only like two years old. Oh, he loves sending email. He's got a little computer. He sends email. He gets email. Not really, but, you know, he checked. <laughs> we walked, we went for a walk today. He checked the mailbox and he said, nope, no email. And then we <laughs> went in the house. <laughs> oh, good. Well, no email came into the mailbox, so that, that's right. He'll get it all straight sooner or later. <laughs> yeah, yeah. But if you are a new person, you know, once you learn how to type, please uh, feel free to send in a message. Or just someone who understands the nuances of English. <laughs> yeah. You know, feel free to send us a message. So not me, that's for sure. No, I guess not. Uh, all right, two more things I want to just run through really quickly before we dive into the episode. And unfortunately, we have to start on a little bit of a sad note here. It was announced on Saturday that Scott Wilson, the actor who portrayed Herschel on The Walking Dead, sadly passed away from complications due to leukemia. Yeah. So, I mean, just overall, of course, our thoughts and uh, condolences go out to his family and friends for their loss. You know, it's, it's, it's never great when something like this happens. 
Um, but I just wanted to say I had a chance to meet the guy briefly at one of the Walker Stalker cons, get a picture with him. And what a what a nice guy. What a super friendly guy. Pleasure to talk to. Um, and I and I just felt really, uh, really happy that I had a chance to meet him, even though it was so briefly. Uh, he told me he liked my beard because at the time I had this massive beard growing on my face. And of course, Herschel walked around with a big beard a lot of the time as well. Yeah. Um, which he didn't quite have as big as he had when I met him, but he told me I liked my beard or he told me he liked my beard and it was, it was just great, but a really nice guy to talk to. And, you know, it's sad to hear that he's, he's passed on. Yeah. Uh, our hearts go out to friends and family. Absolutely. Yeah. It's a sad time. Yeah, for sure. Um, and then one other bit of news that I just wanted to follow up on before we get into the episode is that we talked about the fact that Telltale shut down not too long ago and basically laid off all their employees with no notice. Um, well, there was some uncertainty around what was going to happen there, and it turns out that Skybound Games, which is Robert Kirkman's company, has stepped in to complete The Walking Dead video game. Oh, sweet. So we had chapters one and two of the final season out, and then three and four were basically just canceled. And uh, people weren't too happy about that, um, of course, because they, they weren't going to get the end of Clementine's story. But uh, Skybound has stepped in and uh, and saved it, for lack of a better word, I guess. Kirkman was at New York Comic Con, and he said this, We've successfully negotiated with Telltale Games for our company, Skybound, to come in and see season four of the Telltale game to completion. We can't lose Andrew Lincoln and Clementine in the same year. Okay, so I have some questions. Sure. Now, when you say save the game, does that mean they're going to take over production and just do it uh, themselves? Or are they going to provide funding so that the people who are originally doing it will actually get paid to continue to do it? Well, according to Variety, uh, who reported this, Apparently, Skybound hopes to keep the original Telltale development team intact so they can be the ones to finish the game. Oh, thank God. That's, yeah, that means that I will continue to want to play this game. Otherwise, it'd be, it's still a big fuck you if it, if they uh, didn't, if their employees were still, you know, shafted. I'd still be pissed off enough that uh, I probably wouldn't pay. But if they're trying to keep the team together and they're trying to, uh, you know, to give them a chance to to finish their their project, then uh, I'm absolutely on board. Sure. It doesn't mean that all of the Telltale employees... No, I mean, at that point, you're like, oh, shit, my job is gone. I'm going to go find another job. And then you find another job and they say, hey, do you want to come back to your old job? What old job? I got a new job. Right. Find somebody else. Yeah. No, I just mean that there, there are other people at Telltale working on other things that aren't going to benefit from this, right? So right. Skybound doesn't come in and say, here, 250 people, you know, you, you have your jobs back at least temporarily. But they do at least, hopefully, will be able to um, sort of reemploy the team working on the Walking Dead games so that they can finish it off. Um, right. It's not the ideal scenario. None of this is ideal for anybody, I don't think. But- it's not the worst thing that could happen, I suppose, at this point. Yeah, it's still uh, upsetting, but, uh, you know, it's a little it's a little lessened now. Right, a little bit. But, uh, yeah, so, I mean, that's happening. There's no real other details announced as of yet, uh, so we'll have to keep following along and find out where it goes. But at the end of the day, it looks like 
episodes three and four of the final season of the Telltale game, uh, Telltale's Walking Dead will actually come out, um, which I guess is good news if that's something you were really, really hoping for. Yeah, and it is, uh, we talked about this last week a little bit, but it is available on Steam. Yeah, they, they pulled it briefly. Um, and I, in fact, I don't know if it's back now, but after we talked about that, they did take it down from all the digital distributors. So it wasn't available for a while. Right. All right. Um, that's quick catch up on a little bit of news. Now we're going to jump into the season nine premiere of The Walking Dead, Jason, season nine, episode one. No title read this week. I was a little bummed out about that. So uh, do you want to do the title or should I do the title? A New Beginning. Jason did the title, everybody. Yeah. <laughs> That's right. It's called A New Beginning. I felt that it was very much indicative of A New Beginning, this episode. It felt it like it, uh, which we, we can talk about. But um, let's let's dive into it. So we're back to the regular format now, which we abandon when we cover Fear the Walking Dead. Yeah, I feel better about this format, personally. I, I like this a lot more, but uh, that's okay. Yeah. It feels, it feels comfortable. I feel, I feel more comfortable. No, I agree with you. I, I actually do as well when we get back into the main show. It's like, it's like coming home again. You know, we've been covering this show for nine years. We go away a little while and then you come home and it feels good. It feels comfortable. It's, it's, it's nice to come home. Yeah. Well, here we are. Uh, the cold open. We have somebody arriving on a horse at Alexandria. And I did notice that they had a very cool gate made of sharpened logs that they were opening and closing. I thought you it might have something. It was pretty sweet. It was pretty sweet. It was, it was a sweet gate. I, yeah, I just, I thought you might have something to say about the gate, but it jumped out at me as, like, that's a really awesome spiked gate. All right. Well, here's my problem with it. Oh, you have it a was, problem it, with it. It's spiked on the inside. Why spike it on the inside? Um, maybe so when it's open, there's still spikes. I don't know. <laughs> I don't know. You know, it just, it seems a little counterproductive to spike it on the inside. That means that the people that are guarding Alexandria can't get close to the gate. Okay, good point. Well, anyways. That's it. I just thought of that now. I didn't have a problem with the gate until just this very second. Okay, well, I'm going to stop feeding you problems then. I didn't mean to do that. Yeah, that, that's a good idea. <laughs> anyways, someone arrives. We get some shots of the town. There's crops growing. There's solar panels. There's a, a homemade windmill, it looks like, running. Yeah. Solar panels paneling. Windmills windmilling. That's what they do. Uh, it's just some establishing shots of, of what they have going on. Uh, Rick comes out on their front porch to Michonne, who's out there painting with Judith, who's now like all grown up. <laughs> yeah, she's like 16 now. Well, she's maybe no. <laughs> maybe three or four. four. She's, she's, I say I pointed at four. All right. She's, she's talking, you know, in sentences. And she's painted all of their friends, including a grumpy face. Uh, and a big tummy for daddy. Nice. <laughs> yeah, of course. Uh, Michonne has a good laugh at this. And what I liked about this scene, Jason, is that it really felt like a genuine laugh to me. Like, I have a feeling that Denai was laughing in that scene and not Michonne. Right. And they That's just, good. And they just kind of went with it because it was so adorable listening to little toddler Judith talking about her painting. And I think probably Denai Guerrera had, had a good laugh about it. Um, but they, we see them next scene walking through a field, a large number of crows takes off out of the grass. A murder of crows. That's right. A murder. <laughs> um, we, we cut over to, a, uh, crows at, at sanctuary. They're harvesting corn. It looks like Daryl is in a motorcycle shop. 
So, you know, it looks like stuff is happening. People are doing things. They've got things under control. So it's important here. He was reading a magazine or a book or a, or a manual for motorcycle conversion. This becomes more important later. You're actually converting these motorcycles to use corn oil. Yeah, corn fuel that they're trying to make. Yeah. So they're trying to grow corn in order to fuel this fleet of motorbikes that they're converting uh, to use that that uh, that as fuel. Yeah, and this is amazing. I love seeing this kind of stuff on the show. They don't have to to beat it to death, but just the fact that they're they're doing it in the background, you know, and and acknowledging the fact that well, the gas has run out, so we have to find another way to power these things if indeed we're still going to have motorized vehicles. So, yeah, it was great. I I loved all this. I mean, I, I know we're only like a minute into the episode, but so far I was really loving it. Just the sort of slice of life stuff that we're seeing and um how you know the team is working on things working together um now outside a couple of people are hoisting a zombie up on a big cross as a zombie scarecrow including jody yeah i'm going to call jody i don't care what his character's name is in this show i'm going to be calling him jody from now on why are you calling him jody because he was on um another show and his character's name was jody uh Okay, you think Shameless, Shameless. All right, all right. U.S. Shameless. I didn't see him on there. I've only seen one season of Shameless. Uh, While they're hoisting up this zombie, Daryl gets word of it, comes out, and kills it with his crossbow because, you know, having a zombie inside inside the gates like that probably is not a great idea, even if it's tied up to a cross. Yeah, and that cross was fantastically well-made. I must say, Mm -hmm. the joints were perfect. It was made out of perfectly squared, uh, look like true four by fours, not the three and a half by three and a half things, but like really big pieces of lumber uh, was fantastically uh, made probably by Jody. And then they hoisted up this zombie and Daryl shot it with his uh, crossbow and then walked away without collecting his bolt. Like he's the cock of the walk. And it's like, well, somebody will bring me my crossbow bolt. Yeah. Well, or maybe he's going to pick it up later. Yeah. He just, you know, wanted that dramatic moment of walking away from one of his precious pieces of ammunition. Sure. But I think it's important that he realized that, sure, a scarecrow is a good idea, a, a quote-unquote living, let's, or maybe let's say moving scarecrow, is probably not the best idea. But hoist it's, one it's up not there. a terrible idea. I mean, what are crows going to be afraid of? Just, you know, the scarecrow that you stuff with straw? Maybe. I mean, I guess traditionally that works, but I'm not sure in the zombie apocalypse whether that would work or not. Uh, a zombie waving around making noise might have a better chance of scaring them off. Yeah, until it falls down in the middle of the night and wanders around and takes out your whole group. So right. I, I think there's there's um, the risk is too high, I would okay. say. Uh, anyways, we cut over to uh, Eugene while well, he's on a radio with Tara, and we find out from him that the crops are done, uh, they are not growing properly, and that Daryl is requesting a run into the city. Tara sort of rebroadcasts this and Jesus copies. Now Jesus is with Aaron killing some zombies and uh, they receive that message. And then. So we have radios, two way radios in this show as well. Are we going to have the same problem as we had with the uh, Fear of the Walking Dead, with everything was just communicated by radio and now communications are not a problem anymore? Um, I do not think we're going to have that problem. And I have two reasons for that. The first one being that I don't think the radios are going to play such an important role in this show. 
Again, we'll have to wait and find out. They'll have them, they'll use them, but they won't be the sort of plot or they won't drive the plot the way they did on Fear the Walking Dead. Okay. And, And number two, later on in the episode when they discover that the bridge is out, I think Rosita mentions that the bridge is destroyed and it took the the walkie repeater with it. So oh, no. you can tell, or or what they've told us there is that they're using some uh, technology for, I guess, extending the range of these walkie-talkies, which means that long-range communication is a little bit more believable on this show. Maybe it's a person. Like if Tara relayed the message from uh, uh, Eugene to Jesus... Maybe uh, the walkie repeater was a, was a person that was standing on that bridge, and now that person is gone, but nobody seems to give a shit. Well, that's a, an interesting idea, and, you know, I could see it. It's like you radio one, and then they re- relay the message to somebody else, but I don't think it was. I think it was some sort of signal booster. Right. Back in the 50s and 60s, a computer was a person. It was a person that computed numbers. Sure. The space program used computers. They were all people. <laughs> That's amazing. Well, <laughs> so, you know, it might not be technology. It might be a person that they really didn't care about. Well, let's hope not. I hope no one got washed away in that bridge, uh, you know, blowout. But yeah, apparently a death is a big deal. So I'm hoping that uh, this is another example of a death that really isn't a big deal. Yeah. And, and, I, and I think my first reason about the radios is the much more important one for me anyways. It's like they'll have them and they'll use them, but they won't be the plot driving element they were on the other show. We'll see. Okay. Uh, Just before we leave Aaron and uh, Jesus, Aaron asks if he can be trained by Jesus. And Jesus mentions that he has a class at Hilltop. And again, I like this little scene. It's just a little thing where we find out that, you know, they're training kids. He's doing classes. He mentions some other character characters like Carol, who drops by when she's in town, he says, which I thought was a, a really um, clever way of saying, you know, people are moving around and stuff like that. Uh, so I like this a lot as well. And just watching Jesus roundhouse kick that uh, zombie to the head was pretty awesome. Yeah. And uh, Aaron's beard is glorious. Oh, he's got an amazing beard going, eh? Yeah. He's got, uh, they seem to have scavenged a lot of hairspray. Yeah. Because, you know, that's how you get the really good glorious beard is you you know you put on hairspray and you put on product you put on product on your hair to make it look good why wouldn't you put product on your beard to make it look fantastic yeah i don't know if a lot of dudes wear a lot of product in their beards i've had they do don't not me you can't you can't not you but you know people hipsters we're talking we're talking people the kind of people that would have a man bun would probably put product in their beard well, I don't know what you're trying to say about these people, but I don't know if Aaron is wearing beard product. I think he just rocks an awesome beard. Oh, guaranteed. I mean, they're all wearing product. They're on TV. Of course they're wearing product. <laughs> He's got the, beard product on, stay. and it looks glorious, and I'm all for it. All right, fine. He has a good beard. Uh, we see Daryl He pa- on his motorbike. He passes Jerry on a horse who says that it's clear to the rally point. So again, yep. systems are in place. They They know what they're doing. Uh, we, we move into the city, so now we're, we're already on this run into the city, basically. And we see lots of destruction, overturned cars, there's zombies wandering around. The first people we see are Rick and Michonne ride up on horses, and they kill some zombies from horseback, which I thought was, was really awesome. These zombies are important. So one zombie that was a, uh, was a hero zombie, basically a featured zombie, he was slumped against a car wearing a coat and tie. Mm-hmm. 
right? They're in Washington D.C. This is a commentary on uh, on on the people that live in in Washington D.C. He's a political type of person, slumped against a car, not doing nothing for four years, right? He's been sitting there. I have to assume that since he's not wandering around being a, a zombie somewhere else, that he's been slumped against that car for four years. He was a lurker and then got wind of something happening, and he finally, finally stood up, and then they kill him. Yeah. I, I don't know what the comment is, but it's a comment. Okay, fair enough. Uh, he was a well-dressed zombie, that's for sure. Yeah. Yeah. Well, he goes down. Um, Rick uses some sort of mace. Is that a mace that he's got? It's so a he, mace. Okay. Very good. Good. And Michonne has her katana, of course. We talked about this mace when we watched the trailer. Remember, you thought, or we right. thought maybe it was uh, Lucille, but it's not Lucille. This is a specifically... Uh, a different mace, probably designed by the blacksmiths at uh, the hilltop. That's right. That's right. I remember that now. Yeah. Um, but I think killing them from horseback was pretty exciting to watch, uh, even though yep. we've seen it before. Very good. It shows how, um, you know, they've they've probably trained a little bit to do this kind of thing because, you know, I don't really know how to ride a horse, but I feel like I'd know how to club somebody in the head while riding a horse even less. than Yeah. And you got to train the horses, too. Like, this is not easy for a horse to do. That's a trained horse. Right. To to not, like, get spooked and run the other way, you mean? Or, you know, spooked by zombies, really. Well, yeah. Yeah, for sure. Uh, anyways, pretty cool. Um, you know, the larger group kind of shows up now. And just as we pass the Washington Monument in the background, we go to the opening credits. And here's a list of everyone, I think, that is on this run to the city. Okay. Rick, Michonne, Ezekiel, Enid. Sadiq, Maggie, Cindy from Oceanside, uh, Anne, formerly known as Jadis, Father Gabe is there, Alden, Carol, Aaron, Tara, Jesus, Daryl, and two new characters, Ken and Marco. I think that covers everybody. Uh, yeah, it seems like it. And I think that wagon that they were pulling was fantastic. I don't know why they're going into the museum to get another wagon. There's nothing wrong with this wagon. Well, it seems very comfortable, and it's on rubber wheels like inflated wheels and they have car seats attached to it. Yep. This is a perfectly serviceable wagon. Well, number one, this is a passenger wagon. They have, they have people on it and they're going, they're taking the wagon out of the museum to haul the stuff that they're, they're collecting back. They need somewhere to put that stuff. Bring two wagons. They knew what they were coming here for. Well, maybe, they had a list. Maybe they don't have two wagons. They're, they're. Well, they're going to go get a wagon and bring it down some stairs. Yeah. Build another wagon. Well, I mean, how long could it take to build a wagon compared to the rigmarole are going through this. It's like, well, why don't we wait until we finish the second wagon? Well, like, I don't know. A week. They, they Does could, it take a week to make a wagon? I don't know. They could probably build a wagon, but I think they, they were counting on bringing the second one back with them full of stuff, right? And sure, getting it downstairs is tricky, but they did it. Yeah. It's got to be easier to make a second wagon than it is to bring a set, a, a, you know, a, an antique a covered wagon down some stairs. Well, maybe. I don't know. I didn't really think about it. I thought they need this wagon. Big metal wheels on the thing, you know? I mean, you probably well, they're can't. banded wheels. They're wooden wheels with a metal band around it. I mean, it's a perfectly serviceable wagon, but they've got, obviously, they've got alternatives mm -hmm. that are, in my opinion, far superior. You're not riding around on solid wooden wheels. Uh, you're riding around on rubber tires. Sure. You know? Yeah. I guess. There's what? enough cars. There's got to be enough trucks. There's got to be enough uh, trailers. You could turn a trailer into a wagon easily enough. You could. Why not just find a bunch of convertibles and hook up horses to them? Then you got open air 
cars. Done. <laughs> pulled by horses. You know, you take, you throw the engine away. You don't need that. You know, more cargo space. I suppose. This is a wonderful idea. I don't understand what they're doing doing in this movie. I got problems with the museum in general, but yeah, why bring a wagon down the stairs? I don't know. All right. Well, anyways, we go to the opening credits before we get anything else, and they're brand new. What they did, are. What did you think about the new opening credits? Lots of crows in this episode so far. Yeah, a lot of crows. They kind of had a animated style almost to them. Uh, I thought they were really great. I love these that, new opening credits. It was credits. pretty good. It was pretty good. I, I like, I'm looking forward to seeing a windmill. I had a windmill in the uh, in the credits. Yeah, like uh, an old, you know, uh, you know, big, big actual windmill for milling things, not generating electricity, mm-hmm. but for actually, you know, crushing grain and such. Yeah, we're gonna so, see that for sure. I would um, like that. So I'd that's like good. That. I I thought these credits had a real sort of like earthy feel to them. A lot of vegetation. There's a there's a scene. At, there's a bit at the beginning where like the tree with that stained glass hanging on it suddenly pops to life. Right. All the, the leaves appear on it. And uh, and then even the, the Walking Dead logo at the end had looks like it has moss growing all over it. Like it's been there a while, you know. Yeah, it's life from death is what I think they were going for with this. Well, you know, where there was death, now there's life. And I think that's appropriate to the episode, too. Yeah. In a lot of ways. Well, we come back from the credits oh, after. Hold on, hold on. One more thing. One more thing. We saw a barn. That goes from a dilapidated state into a more fulfilled state, right? Mm-hmm. Like the, uh, in the opening credits, the, there was wood showing up on there. And in the front of that barn was a noose. Yes, there was. Right. Would, and this made me think, like after, now that I'm, uh, you know, in retrospect mm-hmm. uh, for this episode, we know that Fear the Walking Dead, their opening credits changed depending on what the content of the episode was. It's true. They gave you an indicator of what was happening. Are they doing the same thing with these credits? Because we saw a lot of crows in the episode and then a bunch of crows in the opening sequence. And we will, spoiler alert, we saw we see a noose a little bit later on in the episode mm-hmm. and there was a noose in the opening credits. Mm-hmm. Are they just kind of foreshadowing the whole season with these credits or are they going to change episode to episode? I can't answer that. I don't know. I mean, I guess it could go either way, but the same thought occurred to me after after the episode ended that we saw that noose and then a noose played a big part at the end. Um, we'll see. We'll find out next week, I guess. That's true. If okay. I ha- if I had to take a guess, I would say the credits are not going to change episode to episode and there's little bits and pieces in there that sort of foreshadow the entire season. Okay. That makes sense. You know what else these opening credits reminded me of? I don't know if you remember this, but way back before this show even came on the air, mm-hmm. one of our listeners sent in a uh, an animated opening credits sequence that was uh, primarily based on the comic. Like so it was imagery from the uh, from the comic book, uh, and it was kind of that uh, stop motion. Still, uh, it was really fantastic. I I haven't seen it in years, but I remember it being awesome. And this reminded me of that. I don't know if you uh, you remember that, obviously. Oh, yeah. I remember seeing it, especially now that you mention it. I didn't really think of it when I watched these, but I can see the connection for sure. Can we put that up somewhere? I'm Just sure. for comparison? You probably have it sticking around in your archive somewhere. Oh, I'm sure I can find it. Yeah. We can throw it up there on the website sure. maybe. Uh, but yeah, you're right. It does actually, it is actually a little reminiscent of those old fan credits. That was way back at the beginning, like season one era. It was before season one, before we even knew what this, the opening credits were going to be like. Yeah. Wow. It was, spec, it was speculation. Wow. All right. 
Well, anyways, I like the new opening credits. Um, and I think it's one of those things where it's a new beginning. It's time for a change. So mix it up a little. Yeah. And that's why we have a new opening uh, theme song. A new beginning. See? A new beginning. There it is. All right. Uh, we come back, though, after the commercial break, after the credits, to a close-up on a zombie. Uh, the zombie's killed. We find out the group is entering, I guess, one of the Smithsonian Museum buildings. Yeah, the Museum of uh, Stuff That Happened in the Past. Sure. Is that redundant? That's just probably redundant, right? It, it might be. Um, I might actually go there next week when I'm in oh, Washington. Oh, man, I'm jealous. I've always <laughs> wanted to go to the Smithsonian. We'll see. I'll, I I don't know how much time I'm going to have, but I am going to be in Washington, D.C., so I'll Okay, to... you got to find this museum. Uh-huh. With, like, I'm sure that the it had, you know, you can find the museum with the glass floor unless they made it up altogether. But find a museum of colonial history of the U.S. and go there and see if there is this staircase and this glass floor and a covered wagon and a plow and uh, a canoe and the, the, maybe some seeds. The problem is this was shot in Atlanta, not in Washington, so... They didn't oh, use. So it's all bullshit. Then. Okay, they didn't fine. use. They used an actual building in Atlanta, but not a Smithsonian building. So I don't think oh. this particular one exists. But maybe they modeled it after something. I don't know. I don't know. We'll it destroyed my hopes and dreams. This makes me sad. Sorry, man. Uh, anyways, they creep in through the place. They, you know, they kill a couple zombies. They come to a central kind of open area that used to look be uh, used to look like it was inhabited by survivors. There's some tents and stuff around, and from here. They split up into a couple of groups with uh, lists of things to gather. So one group comes to a large grand staircase going up. This is sort of Maggie's crew, I think. And in front of the staircase, as you mentioned, there's this glass floor with zombies below it. Yep. Uh, they start heading upstairs. And just as they're climbing the stairs, a zombie falls from two stories up, landing on a spike right on the glass floor. Yeah, making cracking noises. A few little minor cracking noises, yeah. yeah. Uh, another group goes downstairs. This is kind of Rick's crew. He's with them. They are in the dark using flashlights to explore the area, and as they're walking around, suddenly Sadiq's ankle gets grabbed by a zombie from under something covered by a sheet, and he goes down. He manages to fight it off, but this zombie is covered in spiders. They're just coming out of its face. It's super gross. Super freaky, and if you don't like spiders, I can understand you being made very uncomfortable by this scene. Yeah, we haven't seen a lurker in a long time. We've had walkers, but we've had very few lurkers in this series, mm -hmm. and it's nice to nice to see one grab somebody by the ankles every now and again. How did you feel about the spiders and just all of them all over the place, and then Sadiq's reaction? I, I have uh, his reaction was probably genuine. Uh, you know, Sadiq's. Mm -hmm. uh, I don't have a problem with spiders. I've never had a problem with spiders. So. Not even like huge ones? <laughs> no, especially huge ones. I, yeah. they're, spiders, I'm not their target, you know, audience. They're not trying to kill me. I they're know tr probably trying to get away from me. They eat insects. I don't like insects. Me and the spiders, we're on the same team. We're on the same page. I know, but they're kind of creepy is the problem, you know? All I, those I got no problem with spiders. How do you feel about centipedes? I don't understand centipedes. They're too <laughs> okay. foreign. I'm, so, I'm sorry I asked, I think. <laughs> <laughs> Anyways, um, I thought the spiders... Uh, insects in general, I really don't... The mosquitoes, I think we could probably, as a planet, if we could lose something, we could lose mosquitoes. Mm, and fair. I think everything would be fine if we just got rid of all the mosquitoes. I think it'd probably be better for everybody in the long run. 
Ah. Like even the things that eat mosquitoes, I think would probably survive on other shit. Mm. So, but, uh, generally I don't have a problem with insects or snakes or, uh, dogs. I don't like, you know, big mean dogs. I got bit by a big mean dog when I was a kid. Well, I don't have a problem with snakes either. I just, the spiders are gross. And, uh, I thought this zombie was particularly gross. Um, anyways, he's okay. Sadiq is okay. He brushes them all off and, and he'll be fine. Um, we go to a commercial break and when we come back, we are with father Gabe upstairs. Uh, Who makes a joke. Sorry, not upstairs. He's, he is with Rick's crew downstairs. Anyways, he goes past a diagram of the human evolution uh-huh. and kills a zombie who kind of takes the place of the homo sapien at the end of human evolution. It was a step beyond Homo sapien. Wasn't he in front was, of it? He was no, there was uh there was Homo erectus, Homo sapien, and then uh human evolution was the next panel. And it didn't I don't know if it had anything in front of it, but he killed the zombie in front of that panel, so that's the next step in human evolution. So we we've had our joke for the episode. We have. It's a good one. I mean to have the priest do that and it's a visual joke, which is good. Which is good. Yes, exactly. It's, you don't want too much, you know, actual comedy, but this is good. I liked it. I thought it was a clever scene and, you know, he smiles too. Father Gabe smiles. So I think he got a kick out of, out of that zombie taking the place of, or being the final step in human evolution. Yeah. Killing things. Good times. (laughs) Right. Uh, We're still, we're upstairs there. Daryl is chatting with Cindy uh, because she had a, a memory triggered, she said, when looking at the canoe about fighting with her uh, brother, I think. And, you know, Daryl basically says, sometimes you see things and random memories pop up. It happens to me all the time. And he talks about his brother Merle a little bit. And then he helps her grab the canoe. So they, they had a moment there, which was nice. Is, was this, is this the best canoe to get? That's not the best canoe to get. I mean, in all of Washington, D.C., it's got to be another canoe right yeah that's better suited than an, an old canoe that probably isn't very sturdy or you know well designed i must it's admit an, it's an old you know an ancient canoe it's yeah. it's was made for us at a specific time and place that probably has been uh you know the skills have evolved since then and the the quality of product has evolved since then and there's probably metal canoes or uh, plastic canoes or, uh, you know, fiberglass canoes that are much better suited than this canoe in a museum. You know, I'm, I must admit, I, I wasn't sure why they were taking this particular canoe, but maybe they have a purpose for it. I don't know. And it's very, very heavy. Mm-hmm. Like, the, the, at least we've come farther in the canoe weight category. Sure. Probably bigger. And if you ever get a chance, go to the Canoe Museum in Peterborough, Ontario. <laughs> okay. I've been there. It's great. Great. Well, uh, you're right. There's probably bigger canoes that weigh less available. So uh, I'm not sure, but for some reason they were taking this canoe. Like I said, maybe they have a specific purpose for it. We'll have to find out or it'll just never come up again. I don't know. Yeah. Okay. So wagon, bad idea. Canoe, bad idea. Seeds, good idea. Mm-hmm. And plow, good idea. I'm, f- I'm fine with the plow. Okay. Well, we'll get to the plow. First, we go back downstairs and we are in the horticultural management office. Which uh, I was happy to see. Rick's crew goes in there. They find a stockpile of seeds. And uh, this is one of the main reasons they've come to the uh, museum. Because, as we know, that the crops aren't growing. So they need seeds. Or at least the corn crop isn't growing. They're going to use these to plant more. 
Um, Rick says to Anne that she was right about finding seeds here. And we find out that she came here when she was a teacher with her class. And that's how she knew. So a little yeah. bit of backstory on Jada slash Anne there. Let's hope she wasn't an English teacher. Her fucked up language from the last season. Oh, right. <laughs> I'm hoping that she was some kind of biology teacher that just decided that uh, to take things too far with the language changing. Yeah, that might have been it. Uh, before we move on, Father Gabe calls this a doomsday vault, which I think was a good line. Well, it's a true thing, right? Like they have, there's doomsday vaults out there that where they stockpile, you know, seeds and genetic information for animals and such mm -hmm. in case the, the whole planet goes for a giant shit. And uh, later on, we'll have a, you know, a snapshot of what some of the life on the planet was like. <laughs> right. Uh, and the Center for Disease Control does this in a way too by stockpiling actual diseases. So... In theory, if if there's ever an outbreak of that disease, they have a copy of it that they can study or, you know, work on to find a cure, I think is right. the idea. So, oh, is that one? That one fucked up the whole planet. That one, right. <laughs> yeah, the one we kept around in, you know, in every other zombie movie in the, on the planet got out. It right? got out, right. Yeah, well, probably this one too. I guess so. Uh, anyways, Doomsday Vault, they've got their seeds, uh, good stuff. Uh, we go back to Maggie, Michonne, and Carol upstairs. They're walking along and talking about an election they recently had at Hilltop. And according to Maggie, it was Gregory's idea to have an election, but he lost the election to her. And as they're talking, Michonne stops to look at a poster about the American Civil War that reads a more perfect union on it. So this gets the wheels moving in her brain. Mm-hmm. Uh, they move on and they find a soil plow, like an old antique one, I think also known as a tiller, if I'm not mistaken. Oh, really? Yeah. I looked that I up. Know, I, would, I would have just called it a plow. Well. A tiller to me is the thing you steer a sailboat, small sailboats. It's also that, but uh, tiller can be used uh, or describes a, a device for uh, carving up soil. Oh, I get the connection now. You know, the tiller is the same kind of blade in the water to steer uh, the boat as putting the blade in the ground to turn it over. Yeah. Right? Okay. Uh, yeah, I get it. That's the idea. I get it. So Maggie says that their blacksmith can use this model to make more, which is great, and that they can make a bunch and give one to the sanctuary to try and help fix things there. So in this scene, we learn that, number one, there was an election to, yep. to figure out who was the leader of... The, who will be the leader of Hilltop and, um, uh, and, and just that the, you know, the communities are helping each other a little bit and, and sort of more information on why they're here and what they're gathering this stuff for. So, uh, I think it was a, another great scene and having Maggie win the election is important information for later. Yep. Good stuff. So now we cut right over to them pulling this wagon down the stairs it is clearly a complex operation involving ropes around poles and around people, and they're going bit by bit very slowly. Everybody's involved, so both groups have now met back in the back in the middle here, and they're getting this thing down. Once they do, they're slowly moving it across the glass floor, which of course starts to crack. Okay, so I got to call out fucking idiots here. <laughs> okay, okay, and I'm going to blame the characters and not the show. Oh, good. Which is an important distinction. Yeah. So what they've got here is a bad case of get there itis. 
right? They're in a bad situation, and they're just trying to get through the bad situation so that they can get it done without going, shit, this is a bad situation. We should try and fix this before we move forward. Mm-hmm. And that's, that's, a, that's a bad thing, and it's a known problem that they have in the air industry where pilots are just trying to get to the damn runway, and they have a bad case of get their itis, and they tend to ignore problems that need to be addressed immediately. And this is the kind of thing that they go through in, in their training, just like, okay, fix, work the problem first. You know, don't try and get to the, the runway because you might not make it if you don't fix this problem. Mm-hmm. So what they should do at this point is go, this floor is cracking. We know that from when that zombie fell down way, way up there and fell onto this floor. This floor has a bunch of metal supports and with glass on top. How to fix this problem? Put some wood on top of the glass. Spread the load out a little bit. Uh-huh. You know, if you can't find a bunch of plywood from a hardware store, which you probably could, or at least rip it down from people who boarded up their windows or made forts out of it because they probably made a fort or a house or a hut or a shack or something, take down some doors. Mm-hmm. Take down a bunch of doors, nail them together. you probably find some nails. And then build a support on top of this so that it can take the friggin' load instead of being a bunch of goddamn morons that are just trying to go across uh, a broken glass floor going, I'm sure it'll be fine. We'll just get across this thing and we'll be done with it and we'll never come back. Well, they did manage to get the wagon off successfully. It's then when they go back to grab the rest of the stuff, like the plow and so on, is when Ezekiel falls through because it breaks. There's, You think that this is the only set of stairs in this building? That's no, the only one big enough to haul a wagon down, I'm sure. The wagon's fine, okay? After the wagon's done, they know that the floor is broken. Yeah. They got to walk across this floor for the plow instead of getting it down to the bottom of the stairs, making an immediate right angle and walking sideways. Mm-hmm. Uh, they go walk, try and walk across the floor. The plow's small enough to get down another set of stairs. There's got to be another set of stairs. Why not just haul it down like over the railing and down it goes? Yeah. Avoid the stairs altogether. Well, they didn't do that, and Ezekiel fell through, and it was a close call, but they managed to pull him back up. Uh, Yeah, he should have been uh, torn down. There's no way that a bunch of people holding a single rope could overcome the combined weight of a bunch of zombies grabbing onto various pieces of uh, Ezekiel. Yeah. He should have been hauled down into that you know, maelstrom of chompies. Or, or maybe, if anything, the rope would have broke on the glass, right? It was it was being pulled along broken glass, which is probably not great for rope. Um, but they get yeah, him they up, could, they, and yeah, they do. Carol is very very happy about this, and in fact, she kisses him multiple times on the lips. Uh, yeah. So that's the thing. That's definitely a thing. Uh, outside, they load all the stuff into the wagon they have now, and they get back on their horses and. Head out, and as they're leaving, we get a great wide shot. At least I liked it of the U.S. Capitol building, like from way up above, and you can just see all the destruction and and things that just. I just thought it looked like a really great shot. It was totally CGI, but fun. Yeah. What happened to their other wagon? Well, it's still there. Okay, so they they still have both. They have both wagons. They just brought extra horses instead of extra wagon. Sure. Well, I'm telling you, the wagon they brought was a passenger wagon. People are riding in that. This yeah, is but you now... can bring two wagons, one passenger wagon, one not passenger wagon, or bring it, if you're bringing extra horses anyway, why don't just bring a wagon without any seats in it? Everybody rides a horse. Yeah, well, maybe Maggie and Enid and the rest of the people in the wagon don't know how to ride horses. 
Okay, well, anyways. anyways. Learn how to ride a horse. It's the zombie apocalypse. It's two years after the last bullshit, uh, <laughs> or a year, at least a year after, and now you've gotten horses from somewhere, like yeah, yeah. a large supply of them from somewhere, because uh, they don't grow up fast. Like horses, I mean, they they grow up pretty quick, but they don't grow up in two years. Well, they kind of do, but they didn't find a bunch of baby horses somewhere two years ago. <laughs> no, but it's been a year and a half. Angela Kang said it's been a year and a half, so they've had some time to breed some horses if they wanted to and stuff like that. I don't know how long it takes to grow a horse. Well, I'm not sure either, but I'm pretty <laughs> sure you can get horses from somewhere and, and probably breed a few more. Anyways, we go to you a... Can't, you can't make another wagon in that time period, though. Forget that. That's stupid. <laughs> I got a problem with the wagon. I, I don't know if you know that. I can see. Uh, let's uh, Let's see if it comes up again. We go to a commercial break, and we come back, and Daryl is riding along. He spears a zombie from his bike. And then the rest of the group follows up behind him. Uh, as they're riding, we get a... <laughs> Wait, yeah. sorry to keep stopping you. It's okay. But he doesn't stop for the spear. He does. It's like Daryl's... He did? Yes, he spears it. And then the scene doesn't end. He circles back on the bike, stops, pulls the spear out, and you see the rest of the gang come over uh, the hill. I missed it. I watched this show twice and I missed that. I'm seeing it now as I'm following along. Yeah, yeah. Okay. So... I thought Daryl was being a dick again by leaving his ammunition behind for somebody else to bring back to him. No, 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 no. He gets his own spear here. He's clearly scouting ahead because he's on a motorcycle, making sure that the way is clear for the rest of the gang. Okay. That's what he's doing. Uh, but so we see the rest of them riding and we get a conversation between Alden, Ken, and Marco, the two new characters, talking about learning the blacksmith trade. So I guess Ken's father is the blacksmith in the town. Uh, but apparently he's kind of a grumpy guy until he gets to know you. That's what we that's what we get here. Then we have Ezekiel and Carol chatting as they ride, and he says that he was scared back back there when he was dangling above the zombies, and then he proposes to her. He pulls a ring out and asks her to marry him. Now she turns him down and says not to ask her that after something like this. And not on a horse. <laughs> yeah. Don't don't ask me for one week. Well, that's yeah. Your, that's your punishment. Don't ask me again for one week. Right. I, I think he's done this before. Oh, oh yeah, for sure. They've ta- they've at least talked about it before. Yeah. And I told you not to ask me that. Right. Carol's not ready, and especially she wants it to be the right circumstances for the question to be popped. <laughs> yeah, it's got to be a big red flag, in my opinion. Oh, I don't know. I think both of them are are. They they both know exactly what they're doing and what they're getting into. He knows that she likes him <laughs> and she's just not ready for that, but he doesn't care. He's going to keep asking her anyways uh, because he laughs it off, laughs it off and says he'll keep the ring until she's ready. So I think they just have that kind of relationship and it'll all work out. Yeah. Wear her down. That shouldn't wear cause any flaw, pro- problems at all in the future. Wear her down. Yeah, that's right. Uh, so Daryl and Rosita have been scouting ahead. As I said, they have come to a bridge and it's been washed out. So the whole gang is now at this bridge and they're talking about what to do. And Rosita mentions that two herds merged into Sylvia. So it got even bigger. So they've named this mega herd Sylvia. Nice. I guess it needs a name. It's like naming hurricanes. Probably this is, this is zombie herd. Alphabetical. Yeah, exactly. So the herd has taken down this bridge, and this is where she mentions it took the walkie repeater with it. So we know yep. that. That poor guy. That poor guy, yeah. Um, Rick 
you know, takes charge and he instructs Father Gabe and his group to go back to Alexandria. He says the rest of them will go to Hilltop and Sanctuary to stay the night. And then he says, take care, get home safe. And they all sort of go their separate ways. And I really like that line, actually, that final line. To me, it just felt like it implies a, a trust in his people, right? To know what they're doing, to to go to the right place, be safe, and and not do anything stupid, and, and get home. So it, it worked for me. I thought that was really good. And then the other thing in this scene that I enjoyed is that they mentioned various routes, A, B, C, D, things like that. So, uh, oh, and Rick also mentions the trade road, which I don't know. Right. If it, it might be one of the routes. It might not be, but it just had this air of organization to it. You know, they've been... They've figured all this stuff out. They've got specific routes between the communities. They've got walkie repeaters. They've got patrols going. They've got everything under control, it feels like. And now this bridge is out, so it's messing things up. But they know what to do. They have a plan. Yep. It was all these little details that we were getting through conversations that I really appreciated. Yeah, it sounds like they do have their uh, their shite together. At least for now. Yeah. Well, it's got to fall apart. I mean, it's the beginning of a season, right? Sure. Yeah. Everything. Where would we be if it didn't? If everything that's under control didn't fall apart? Well, I'm sure it will. But it's the it's the details that they're giving us that makes it um, makes it that much more dramatic. Maybe when everything does fall apart, because we understand where they're at, you know. And I like that. I think they were doing a really good job in this episode communicating those details to us. Yeah. So Rick's group moves on, and they come to a section of muddy road that the horses can't get through. So they decide to give the horses a rest and um, pull the trailers through themselves, pull the wagons through themselves. I don't know how much I buy that, to be honest. If the horses can't do it, I'm not sure humans could do it, but maybe. maybe the Well, horses... the horses are tired. They went through the whole rigmarole saying the horses need a break. Yeah, so... I, I guess so. So horses can't do it, but people can. Maybe, maybe if they just let the horses rest, they could help. But in any case... They do manage to get the the trailers through, but of course, a whole bunch of walkers attack, and they fight them off, but they end up having to uh, flee and leave the wagon. Uh, the plow is destroyed because it falls off the back of a wagon as they're trying to get it up, and then Ken goes back to free one of the horses and gets bitten on the arm. Oh, Ken. I know he go, he went, you know, he was trying to save a horse and that's a noble thing to do. So he sacrificed himself for a horse, but he's bitten. Not Ken, your shape. parents are going to be pissed. They are going to be really pissed. Yeah. So we go to a commercial break and when we come back, they are still here. We're trying to treat Ken, but clearly his wound is really bad. Sadiq, the, the, the doctor on site is trying to save him, but... He dies, sadly, and Maggie and really everybody in this scene, I thought, looked devastated. But she is the one who has to put a knife into the back of his head. Yeah. So pretty pretty sad emotional scene. Did a reasonably good job of making us care about Ken, even though he's this brand new character that we don't know anything about. I felt bad for Ken, and, and it was all because um, of the reaction from all the characters that we do know really well. They looked genuinely distraught by it yeah and you know they didn't care about that transmission relayer person so we don't care that they got washed out on the bridge and they're probably dead exactly exactly you see but how can that, we care about see how that works that's right um and i wanted to note too if you watch daryl 
Uh, it's the little things. If you watch Daryl in the background of the scene where Maggie has to put the knife in Ken's head, you don't actually see her slide the knife in, but you do see Daryl react to it in the background. And he, I thought Norman Reedus did such a good job. He's all jittery with his hands, and then he looks away just as she she does it. And I felt that. I thought that was a really, really subtle thing that probably most people didn't notice, but there it was. You know, he was reacting to this guy, Ken, that we don't know, dying and being, you know, stabbed in the head. So just yep. think of great job by Norman Reedus there and great job, you know, show overall for for communicating that kind of emotion in such a subtle way. Yeah, I think Norman Reedus should be the star of this show after this season. Well, we'll we'll see. He certainly had a lot more to say in this episode. <laughs> he did, didn't he? Yeah. He was barely involved in the last season altogether, but shit, he was present here. More lines in, in, than in the last two years, I feel like. Yeah. Uh, we go back. And, and more information, like him uh, having, you know, mentioned, mentioned uh, Merle again. That's right. That's right. Yeah. And just more to do. It was, it's, it was really much better use of, of the character in my opinion. And he's not fighting with Rick anymore. Right. Like they were, uh, there was uh, some buddy, buddy moments that we saw between them in this episode. There were, but let's, let's talk about that more when we get to the conversation between Rick and, and Daryl later on. Okay. Cause I have some thoughts on that too. Um, but we quickly go back to, to, we cut back to Hilltop. Maggie is there now and she's telling Ken's parents, what happened. So Tammy, Ken's mother is really upset, obviously, and she doesn't accept that his death was worth it. She says that he didn't even die helping Hilltop because the plow broke and the sanctuary was getting all the stuff they went to gather. So what was the point? Her husband, Earl tries to calm her down, but she kind of questions what kind of man he is for letting, for letting this happen, letting this all go. And uh, Tammy ends up saying that Maggie isn't welcome at Ken's funeral. Um, and she knows that Gregory is a scoundrel, but at least he puts Hilltop first. So kind of questioning Maggie as a leader there. Yeah, well, she's got some incorrect information. Gregory always puts Gregory first. That is very true. Right? So you think she would recognize that. And if you're going to slide a knife into the back of someone's head, generally you're not going to be invited to their funeral. Just saying. I guess not, but these are extenuating circumstances. It's not like Maggie killed the guy. Maggie prevented him from becoming a walker. Well, but okay. So she, at the very least, stabbed a dead body? <laughs> right. I guess so, yeah. <laughs> well, I mean, you can totally understand Tammy's point of view, too, though. Like, she just lost her son. It's It's well within her right to be distraught, upset, and uh, slightly irrational at that point. And That's I, true. I'm not even sure she is being irrational. You know what I mean? Like her son was just killed. So it's the zombie apocalypse though. Yeah. Right. Yeah. I guess, you know, so. you gotta, you gotta kind of take it with a grain of salt. I suppose people are going to die in the zombie apocalypse. That's true. Yeah. And it's, uh, just because the mission wasn't successful, the plow broke, doesn't mean that it was a waste of time. No, right? he still all. was out there doing a noble thing. Mm. Right. Just because it didn't exactly work out perfectly doesn't mean that uh, there wasn't any point to it. Totally. But that's rational. And I agree with you that someone who just lost their child probably isn't going to be that rational. They're going to kind of focus on the death of their child. And you can't hold that against them. Right. That's the no. way human beings are. So uh, we take a break. And when we come back, we are at Ken's funeral. Alden is singing. 
rather well, I thought. I think he thought he did a nice job there. Yeah, almost like he was a hobbit. Um, is he a hobbit? No, he's not a hobbit. Okay. I, he reminds me of a hobbit. I don't know why. He just, you know, now that he's singing, reminds me of, uh, uh, was it Pippin that sang? Yeah, I think so. Yeah. It just it reminded me of that. Weren't we calling Alton, or you maybe calling him like the really good looking savior for a while yeah, last year? Yeah, he was, yeah, he's, uh, very photogenic. It okay. doesn't make him not a ho- not a hobbit. No, fair enough. I mean, enough. those those hobbits were professional actors. They're all good looking people. That's true, <laughs> right? There's no ugly people in uh, Lord of the Rings. Uh, no, well, some of the orcs maybe. Well, not, those are not people. Not people. Fair enough. All right, <laughs> and makeup. Alden is singing. They're probably very good looking people behind those masks. No doubt. I'm sure they are. Uh, and Maggie is up on her balcony holding baby Herschel watching the proceedings for up there because as we just found out she's not welcome well she's still at the funeral though right well so, come on she's off it's a technicality that she's watching from like 40 feet away instead of three maybe like but... why go out on the balcony you're just gonna make things worse you know stay inside well i don't know maybe the baby needed some fresh air i don't know just <laughs> i don't know it seemed like a shitty thing to do all right well you're we... not welcome but you know i'll just sneak in anyway Right, I'm going to crash the funeral. Yeah. We go back over to Daryl uh, and Rick and Michonne who arrive at the sanctuary. And as they walk in, somebody yells, Rick, Rick Grimes is here. And that's the man that ended the war. <sighs> Which I thought this was a little bit goofy. I mean, these that, people... That was bad. That was, It was bad. Yeah, these people know who he is. It's not like there's people there that have never met him in a year and a half. Like, come on. Well, Jody probably hasn't. We didn't see Jody before. I don't know, but it. It's, I gotta learn his character's name. I should figure it out. Figure it out. I don't know. Um, it was a bit cheesy, I thought. But to be honest, the whole thing was to serve a scene later on. I think when Rick and Michonne are in bed. Um, but before we get to that, they they walk in and they get a quick update from Eugene, and Michonne notices something that was written on a wall, and it says, "Saviors, save us. We are still Negan." So there's yep. definitely some dissent going on here. Um, Daryl says that it's been happening more and more since the crops have been dying because people are getting more and more stressed out. And then he asks a guy named Justin to clean it up and he gets some sass back from Justin because he doesn't have the paint and things like that. So yeah, that's Jody. That's Jody. That's Jody. His name is Justin. The character's uh Name is Justin. It's Jody. The actor's name is Zach uh, McGowan. Okay, so that that's him. All that's right, the good. Guy. So you were, you weren't even that far off, Justin. <laughs> yeah, well, I'd probably just still call him Jody. What the hell? Uh, why? Well, we'll see. Uh, yeah. So that's kind of what's going on there. We cut back over to the funeral now. Gregory is saying some words about Ken, and they are some quite nice words. And as he walks away, Jesus tells him that his words were beautiful, and um. I'll be honest, at this moment, Gregory seemed genuinely emotional about it all, I thought. so. I, yeah, I didn't. I thought Sandra Berkeley did a good job here. No, he did do a good job, but I didn't believe for a second that Gregory was being uh, genuine. I mean, He's a shithead. He's always going to be a shithead. I didn't believe for a second that he was not being a shithead. That's a very good point, and I suppose I shouldn't have let him fool me like that, but I I felt like the character was actually genuinely emotional about Ken uh, being dead. So I don't know. You're right though. Gregory's only ever looking out for number one as we find out later. Quickly back over to the sanctuary. Rick is greeting people. 
He delivers a short speech about getting Sanctuary back on its feet and helping them out as much as they can, and they give him a round of applause, which is nice. And then he goes up onto one of the catwalks to have a conversation with Daryl, I guess because he can tell something's wrong with Daryl. And Daryl says he doesn't want to be in charge of Sanctuary anymore. He thinks he's better out there going on runs and stuff like that. And he kind of explains that he thinks the sanctuary is doomed. They have no fuel, nothing grows, things like that. And uh, he just doesn't want to be there anymore. So, um, well, go, go somewhere else. He's looking I mean, for a change. If the building is bad, if this is a bad location, you have a bunch of people in a bad location, take the bunch of people and go to a good location. What about that satellite uh, place with all the dishes and stuff? That probably has some good land around it. Maybe, I just you know, don't. You might get some HBO as well. That satellite's <laughs> probably still broadcasting. Oh, probably. I, I just don't know that they have an easy way to move all those people somewhere else. Like, they, you have they to... They got a wagon. Don't give me that shit. No, I mean, they don't have... Here, they're set up. They have places to sleep and eat and things like that. If you're going to move somewhere else, you need all that stuff. Yeah, right? but you need something to eat as well, right? If you're yeah, sleeping here, enough. you might have a bed, but nothing to eat, you know... Grab your bed and go someplace where you can find something to eat. Well, I kind of agree with Rick here because he goes on to say that it's on them to figure out how to make this work. They can't just give up on the place. Right? I don't see why. I think they're established here and they need to fix it. The easiest thing is to fix what they've got going wrong here, then up and abandon and move somewhere else and probably end up with a whole bunch of other problems. They're trying to grow crops in a factory. Well, they're trying to grow crops in in the ground, which not really. They're they're planters. They're making they put planters up for the uh, for the for the crops. Mm-hmm. They're not really, you know, growing stuff in the ground. You know, take maybe uh, you know take a day and move everybody five hundred feet to the left or something. <laughs> Find some better ground. Okay, that's just moving the crops five hundred feet to the left. Okay, maybe that'll work then. Why plant them right here and then complain that the nothing's working here? Well. Like, I- yeah. Go a little farther, you know, commute a little bit, maybe, I, you know, I, build a wagon. Yes. Build a freaking wagon. Uh, I think that's what Rick is saying. It's like, we, we, we got to figure out how to make things work around here, you know, but Daryl just is like, I'm tired of dealing with this. I just want to leave and do something else, which I also don't blame him. Like he might be better suited doing something else. And that's just the way he is. Um, but I also agree with Rick in that they, they need to find a way to make this work. Yeah. So they need to find a way to make it work somewhere else without Daryl in charge. Or somewhere, something like that. Daryl harkens back to when it was just a small group of them at the beginning, and he says they could do anything back then. And I think he's sort of implying maybe what you're saying here. It's like when it was just a few of us, yeah, we could up and leave and go somewhere else and try something different somewhere else. It's too hard to do that now when we've got like 100 people living here, all with, you know, all being needed to take care of. So, yep. um, anyways, Rick tries to explain to him that they're all living and working at different places now because, you know, things have changed. And I think he's implying change for the better. Uh, but Daryl says, the thing is, Rick, you changed things. You know, you brought all this on everyone. So if it's failing here, it's your fault. You big jerk. Big jerk. Yeah. And then Daryl walks away and he kind of pats Rick on the shoulder as as he goes and we find out that carol was down below them listening in um but what i wanted to say about this scene sort of generally 
is it's another one that I thought really worked well for me because it seeded a tiny bit of tension between these characters. You know, they're not quite seeing eye to eye on how to handle this situation. But at the same time, for me, it reinforced their loyalty to each other just because of the way he patted him as he walked away and said, yeah, you know, this is this is because of you, but we'll figure it out. Yeah. So I think uh, that's going to be an important dynamic going forward this season. Yeah, I guess you're probably right. I was thinking they were more buddy-buddy than anything else because they're trying to solve problems, right? They're not right. trying to oppose each other just for the sake of being shitheads. Uh, so, but you're right. That probably is just an indicator that something's going to go south a little bit, uh, a little bit later in yeah, the season. Yeah, but like last season, they were fist fighting, and Daryl was doing stuff, stuff directly opposed to Rick, trying to with his own agenda, you know. And I, and I didn't like that. I don't think it, I don't think it kind of honored the fact that they had this brotherly relationship that they'd built up over the previous six years. It sort of all went out the window. But here. They're kind of back to that. You know, these two guys who work together, they respect each other. They may not always see eye to eye, but at least they feel like they can sort things out. And that's the feeling I got from this scene anyways. It's like they they might have problems, but they're going to be okay because yeah. they're teammates. You know what I mean? They're not going to break down and start punching each other in the face for silly reasons like they did last year. For at least six episodes. Yeah, I guess things could change. We'll see. Uh, we go back over to Hilltop and Gregory comes to talk with Ken's parents. He offers them some booze, which Tammy accepts. And then the next thing we see is Earl helping Tammy into bed. She's obviously depressed and maybe kind of drunk now. Super drunk. And they just got home. Like they were just, just getting home Mm -hmm. and there was a lantern that was already lit, which means they went to the funeral and left their home with a burning lantern. It's a terrible idea. Terrible idea. Yeah. Don't do that. No. Uh, but she falls asleep pretty quick. And then Gregory again appears in the door of their bedroom. <laughs> oh, Gregory. And he offers to sit with Earl. Uh, That's a euphemism for some, right? Well, I think in his case, drink. But Can I sit with you? Yeah. yeah. Would you mind? <laughs> we, we take a commercial break and we come back and we're now with Carol outside Sanctuary with Daryl. They have a, a very pleasant conversation in my opinion they sort of joke about ezekiel being corny but she says that corny is is really really nice for her after everything she's been through specifically what she went through with her first husband ed and well, that's why she doesn't want to get married why because of ed because of ed yeah ed I mean, was a dick he was he beat up he beat her up yeah she doesn't want a ring she's just like let's just have a relationship none of that formal stuff that formal stuff would be the death of you Okay, I get it now. Yeah, it sort of makes sense. But I just... He should just Ezekiel should just back off. He should, but not too much. I mean, just just have a, have a nice relationship with her. I think they make yeah, a good he, couple. he's going to drive her away. It's going to be a mess. I hope not. Well, she... she um, Daryl, she talks about it a little bit, and Daryl sort of gives approval, saying, you know, he's a, he's a nice guy, and she calls him Pookie again, way back to season two or three or whenever that happened. Yeah, that's mixed signals. Don't do that. Call somebody a pet name when you're in a relationship with somebody else. That just, that's going to mess with your head. Can't you just be happy that these people are friends and everything yeah, is going well with them? Yeah, but a nickname like Pookie, it's, it's crossing a line. 
Come on. Well, then she offers to take over the sanctuary for him and run the place because she overheard him saying that he doesn't want to do it anymore. She's a good friend. Yeah, no, that's good. Yeah. That's all good. It's just, a, it's the cute pet name that I have a problem with. All right. Now take over the sanctuary, start pointing guns at people if they don't fall in line and say, <laughs> look at the flowers. Because they, if you she says that, you know she means business. She sure does, right? Yeah, she could definitely uh, pull this uh, this team together and uh, move them five hundred feet to the left and uh, get their heads out of their asses. I if, think that she could do it. If anybody could, Carol could do it, or kill them all, whatever. Or that we'll see. Uh, we go back over to Gregory and Earl. They're drinking now, of course. And Gregory, his whole tone has changed. He is convincing. Earl, that the election was a joke and that Maggie is acting above the law. She says that her good buddy Jesus is the one who counted all the ballots, so he doesn't even respect the outcome of the election. And he claims that people aren't happy, but they're afraid to speak up. Of course, he isn't. Well, he yeah. is, but he's speaking up in private. That's and, typical conniving bastardism. Yeah, totally. And he convinces Gregory... Uh, or at least he blames Maggie for Maggie for Ken's death and uh, says that she doesn't have to be the leader. So he's really, really, you know, back-talking, the, back-talking Maggie here, you yep, know. sowing the seeds. Sowing the seeds, that's right. Commercial break, and we come back. Rick, he is cleaning himself up, and he's getting into bed with Michonne. Uh, they joke about him being the famous Rick Grimes, which I thought was was fun. Well, everybody knows who he is. How is he not famous? Well, I, I'm I'm just saying. I just think it's funny <laughs> that he gets into bed and she says, "Oh, the famous Rick Grimes," <laughs> right? Um, no one's ever said that to me when I got in bed with them. You're not famous. I guess not. Everybody doesn't know who you are. No, that's very true. But then again, my idea—I've told you about my idea of fame. If I know who you are, you're famous. All right. Well, That's it. Well, good. Uh, now, Michonne suggests that maybe they should have just killed Negan, but Rick isn't so sure it would have changed anything. And then she floats the idea that they need a more formal agreement between all the communities, a charter, she says. Uh, and Rick agrees. Yeah, well, this this is part of, uh, you know, the poster for the Civil War that she saw in the museum. Mm -hmm. You know, the Charter of Rights and Freedoms. Yeah, exactly. That that got the the idea implanted in her head, I think. So I think it's a good idea. If you're going to have these communities, you need some sort of agreement between everyone. It'll help uh, when you are talking about trade or supplying, supplying supplies to each other and stuff like that. So it's kind of good. Anyway, she takes on that task. Um, Outside, we see Maggie walking Herschel in a stroller, baby Herschel in a stroller. <laughs> yeah. And she comes across Gregory. They talk about her winning the election. And then he innocently tells her that somebody defaced Glenn's grave during Ken's funeral and that maybe she'll just need to check that out tomorrow to make sure everything's okay. Right. But of course... She wants to find out what's going on right away, so she immediately goes to see it, and she's attacked by somebody in a dark hoodie. Uh, the poor baby falls out of the stroller and starts crying while she fights him off. Enid, well, The baby wasn't strapped into the stroller, which is probably a bad thing. Sure, you're probably right, but, you know, baby Herschel, not so little that he was really hurt by rolling out of a stroller like that, but... Still, you don't want to see a baby fall out of a stroller. No, that's bad. 
right? But he got himself up and he was crying. Uh, Enid shows up to try and help, but is knocked down by the masked assailant and knocked out. And then Alden and Cindy show up to help, who they they manage to subdue the person, and it's revealed that it is Earl. Dun dun dun. Oh man. Yeah, Ken's, Gregory talked him into his bullshit. Yeah, Ken's father Earl talked into doing something like this by Gregory. Maggie immediately goes inside to wherever Gregory is and confronts him. And she says he tried to have him killed, but was too chicken shit to do it himself. And he basically admits it right when pressured and then goes on and claiming he should be in power because he built the hilltop and he tries to stab her and says that you attacked me. I'm just defending myself. Right. But Maggie is, you know, a strong person and she gets the better of him and puts the knife to his throat. So, man, Gregory, what a dick. Like, we all knew he was a dick, but this takes it to a whole new level. He's going to die. <laughs> I have a feeling he's not going to survive. Yeah. <laughs> uh, commercial break, and we come back. We have Carol saying goodbye to Ezekiel, uh, because Ezekiel and Jerry are leaving the sanctuary to go back to the kingdom, but she's going to stay there. They get on their horses and get on their way. Uh, we have Daryl, Rick, and Michonne arriving back at Hilltop. And of course, they find Maggie with her black eye that she sustained in the fight with Earl. And we get a scene where Rick seems like he's meeting, you know, baby Herschel for the first time. But I don't feel like in a year and a half or whatever it's been, it would be the first time. But he's a baby person. What are you going to do? He is. He's holding the baby. That's it. Rick invites her, uh, Maggie, to come back to Alexandria. And she declines. But he asks her then for more supplies for Sanctuary and some help fixing the bridge. So she proposes this counter deal kind of and says that, you know, I'll, um, if, if this, if Sanctuary provides the bridge labor and sends over their corn fuel, you know, I'll give them food and supplies and stuff like that. Because I guess it sounds like Hilltop is, is well stocked, doing very well with stuff. I got a bunch of turnips. From what I remember. Oh, that's right. I forgot about the turnips. But she really has very little sympathy for the sanctuary people. And of course, this is, you know, all uh, born out of the fact that they let Negan live and these were their enemies not that long ago and so on and so on. Um, and then she reminds Rick that he said he'd be following her someday. And that never happened until now because she has now become someone to follow. That's nice. Yeah, well, she was she was elected, <laughs> so she's the leader. Um, it's now nighttime, and everybody at Hilltop is gathered around some kind of large wooden structure, which uh, I didn't realize what it was. Oh, it's a barn. I mean, it's not they didn't build a gallows, yeah, right? I, I guess, but they're using it as a gallows. Yeah, well, that's you know, like any good barn. You can hang people from it. You can use you can use it to hang people. All right, fair enough. It's a pretty, it's got to be a pretty shitty barn if you can't use it for that. Right. Fair enough. Maggie's giving a speech uh, and says she doesn't want to do this, but that the punishment must fit the crime. So punishment fits the crime. Mm -hmm. uh, assault equals hanging. Is that right? Assault. Sort of treason. Con conspiracy to commit assault and treason? I don't know about treason. It's just, you know, okay. he's sure he was sowing the seeds, but that just would, you know, facilitate another election. I mean, right? let's have a real election. That's, you know, that's political thing, mm -hmm. back talk, whatever. But what he did was he he conspired to commit 
murder? That's Attempted right. murder? He he hired a hitman. <laughs> he conspired to commit murder. That's right. Okay. I just, I don't think that the punishment fits the crime. I think his punishment should be exile. That's yeah, always exile, though. I think she's trying to make a statement here and say, don't fuck around everybody because this is what's going to happen. And it's an extreme statement. I agree with you, but I think it gets the point across. Do you think a committee, you know, uh, took a look at the uh, the evidence and weighed the, uh, you know, the consequences and the punishment versus the thing? Or is he just Maggie's like, nah, fuck it, I'm hanging you. I think and everybody went, yeah, that makes sense. I think Maggie just made this decision unilaterally. And, and maybe there will be some talk about it later on. But for now, it was all her. I, okay. So I don't think the punishment fits the crime. And I think that if Maggie decided to do this unilaterally, that that strikes me as slightly evil. Wow. That's, that's pretty, that's strong words. I don't know, man. It's what? a hanging. It's not the trivial matter that she hung somebody in front of the whole friggin' town. What about all of the previous bullshit that they've had to put up with from Gregory? <sighs> I mean, I yeah, none of it maybe is, is, um, quite as But a public bad. hanging kind of implies a rule of law, uh-huh. right? And, uh, it in this case it doesn't. It implies to me that Maggie made a decision to murder this guy because he was you know, tried to murder her. And it's just it's an attempted murder, not murder, and it's a hang a public hanging uh without a trial. In well, a supposed land of some kind of rule of law. It just it doesn't seem to be a uh a, you know, a properly metered punishment. I mean, he tried to murder her, failed, yep. and I'll I'll give you the without a trial thing. Uh, Conspiracy but- to commit murder. Like, what about Ezekiel or whatever his name is? He's not hanging with him, right? He went home. Yeah, not as what Ezekiel. What well, whatever the guy that actually assaulted her, Earl. Tammy's Earl, whatever. Earl. <laughs> yeah, but there's another character named Ezekiel. I know, who... I'm confused. I'm excited. Okay. He went home. Earl went home. Right? True. Why isn't he hanging next to Gregory? Why isn't he hanging instead of Gregory? He actually committed the assault, attempted murder. Well, I I get that. And once I realized what was going on here, when Maggie says, do you have any final words? And the camera pans over to Gregory on the horse. I wasn't sure if we were going to see Earl sitting there or somebody else. And then it turned out to not be Earl. Um, And and I get your point, but you know, she's, she's cutting, she's hanging the mastermind, not the puppet who was, who was sort of gotten drunk and talked into doing something he normally wouldn't have done. Yeah. But she's also hanging the guy that didn't actually commit the crime that she's hanging them for. Well, he's the mastermind. He is the man who 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 came up with this idea. Right. So, you know, the the left hand doesn't need to know what the right hand is doing. If they're working in concert, it's conspiracy to commit murder. Everybody's guilty of the same crime. Mm-hmm. Right? She, either they are both guilty of the same crime or Earl is guilty of attempted murder. And this guy, Gregory, is attempt, uh, guilty of conspiracy. And it's not the same crime. Earl should be hanging. Gregory should be have some other punishment. But she killed Gregory, and Earl just gets to go home with no apparent punishment. Well, there could be some punishment for Earl, but you're right. It seems like there's no apparent punishment. Um, 
I don't want to take away from the seriousness of the point you're making because it is a serious point. But aren't you just a little bit happy that Gregory's finally fucking killed off the show? I'm a little bit happy that he's <laughs> killed off the show, but I guess the biggest problem I have is that Maggie said here at the hilltop the punishment fits the crime. Right. This does not mean that. Like what she said is the entire problem. If she just wanted to kill him because he's an asshole and deserves to die, fine. But she, you know, couched it in a rule of law, the punishment fits the crime. No trial, just punishment for one person doing basically guilty as the same crime as the other guy. The other guy gets to go home. Mm -hmm. Well, yeah, I, I, I completely understand what you're saying, but I also think that there could be new standards uh, applied in this new society we have here, right? They, right. The, the old legal system doesn't exist anymore. The, no. the old, you know, um, idea of what punishments are appropriate for what crimes is all gone and out the window. And they're creating new uh, standards here, or at yeah. least Maggie is. And they may I think be, we should start calling Maggie the governor. It, <laughs> I don't know. We'll have to see what, what future actions she takes. I don't think one action a governor makes. It's a step in the wrong direction, that's for sure. Could be. It could be, but I'm saying it's a new set of standards that we don't fully understand yet. Yeah. Or something okay. like that. Maggie's in the wrong here. But that's all I'm okay. I'll stop harping on this. <laughs> no, it's fine. Uh, and I and I think I agree with you. Um, but I think she had to do something, and I think she was trying to make an extreme statement to get the rest of the people to fall in line in case they were also having some thoughts of dissent. Right. And she didn't even hang Gregory correctly. <laughs> <laughs> well, I mean, why not? What's wrong with having him sit on a horse and then whipping the well, that horse? There's two types of hangings. There's the hanging that breaks your neck uh -huh. and then you die pretty quickly. Or there's the hanging where uh, it just, you choke to death. And they, he got the hanging where he choked to death. There was no fall. Usually in a gallows, there's like a trap door and you fall mm -hmm. and your neck breaks and you basically die relatively quickly. Yeah. As opposed to just kind of like choking somebody and going, okay, we're going to leave him there for a while. And Gregory was not choking long enough for him to be dead for sure. Well, and cutting him down at that point probably meant that he could live. I don't think the, the show figured that out then because in the closed captioning for the episode, it says sound of neck breaking. Oh, well, no, I don't doubt that he's, I don't think he's alive. Right. I just think that she didn't hang him properly. If you're going to do a hanging, learn how to do a hanging. <laughs> That's that I agree with. If you're going to do this, do it right. You think it, that was, Okay, I assume that it wasn't part of the manual that the people with the awesome van gave her, you know, how to hang somebody. They they knew how to tie a noose, which is great. Mm -hmm. But if you know how to tie a noose, you know, the logical next step is to know how to hang somebody. Uh, that's very true. Yeah. You know how to use it. Yeah. Well, yeah. and that's and that's basically the episode right there. Uh, just, I mean, before it ends, just as they're about to, just as about Daryl, actually, for some reason, is about to kick that horse and get it to run out from under Gregory. Uh, a couple of kids walk up and Michonne yells to stop, but Rick grabs her and then Gregory hangs. Uh, Maggie orders the kids back to bed. And she says, even this 
you know, she made this decision, but this is not the beginning of something. I don't think Maggie is intending to hang a lot more people, um, but had to make a statement here. Um, Daryl cuts Gregory's body down. He falls, cut to black, episode is over. So an hour and a half, 90-minute episode, long one. Was it? Yeah, it was. I didn't even notice. It was. It was a long one. And uh, season nine premiere, overall, I thought this was a really good episode for a lot of reasons. Um, a few of them I've mentioned, all the little details, you know, hearing about Roots ABC, etc., the walkie repeaters. We learned that Hilltop is thriving. There's lots of supplies. They're getting work done. They're having elections. I guess they're hanging people too, but you know, they're thriving. <laughs> and they're not building wagons. That's they're, fine. They're not building wagons. Um, sanctuary is struggling. They can't seem to grow anything. We learned that their goal is to grow corn fuel, um, not like food supplies necessarily. I like that. Um, I love the fact that Daryl is talking again. And I don't know, tell me if I'm wrong, man, but the, the character of Daryl feels so much better already in one episode than he has in the last like two full seasons um, just from having more lines because he seems like he has thoughts and feelings again. He has a personality, which is great. Yeah. He's an actual character instead of a relayer of words. Right. A guy who just grunts and groans and punches his friend in the face. I, I, I think he's so much better in this episode. And um, I was really disappointed with what Daryl's been doing for two years. And I'm right. really looking forward now to seeing him move forward he's this is the difference between a character and a caricature there you go they they yeah. screwed the pooch for two years and they figured it out so yep good on the writers and on angela kang for figuring that out and yeah despite everything about the gregory thing at the end i'm glad they didn't waste any time on this storyline because I kind of feel like having Gregory screwing around trying to under, undermine Maggie for the next eight or 16 episodes wouldn't have been that fun to watch. Um, and I'm glad they just took care of it. They've hung him and they've moved on, you know, despite the problems with Maggie's decision. I absolutely agree with you. My biggest fear when I heard about the election was that uh, a bunch of episodes with Gregory would now be about uh, election rigging and politicking oh. and all this kind of stuff. The only thing that would be worse than this is if they started a whole new Star Wars franchise that was around trade negotiations. Oh, George Lucas tried, remember? <laughs> <laughs> I know. That's what I'm saying yeah. is that don't be an idiot. Get that political bullshit out of the way and let's get to the swinging of lightsabers folks yeah well they got to the swinging of lightsabers in this episode at least in that regard and i think that was the right call so yeah. um so i liked it i thought it was a great season opener and i'm i'm super excited that the show is back and so far so good any other thoughts before we move on no I thought it was a, I thought it was a good solid episode. Now, you know, just to be clear, the problems I had with this, well, they're not even really problems. They're just opinions on what the characters were doing, mm -hmm. not problems with the show. Sure. Right. I just think that what Maggie did was genuinely evil. She is, she just performed an evil act. And I think that's an important distinction for her character. Uh, you know, dragging up. Excuse me, dragging a uh, an old covered wagon down some stairs and across a glass floor floor is just pure idiocy because they obviously <laughs> know how to make fucking wagons, right? Well, but that's 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 not a show thing. That's a characters being a bunch of morons. 
yeah, but you know what? People are morons sometimes. The world is full of them. Yeah, you'd think that that whole group of people that were able to survive in a zombie apocalypse would think, you know what? We should cover this glass floor with something so that it doesn't break under us. Well, I mean, you know, let's get four pieces of wood. You know, we could probably in this whole museum find four pieces of wood. I tell you what, let's take this wagon that's made of wood and break it down into its component parts and use it as a floor so that the rest (laughs) of the stuff that we're taking into the already existing wagon we have works better. I suppose. Um, But hey, they didn't, and that's it. I also think you could take that argument back a step and say there's no way that floor would break. I mean, it's designed to be... Oh, God, no. It's designed to withhold thousands of pounds of tourists, and, you know, one wagon's going to go through it? Eh. I don't know. It's been years, and, you know, shit's falling apart a lot quicker than it probably should should fall apart. Like, people are very soft. Maybe all the materials that they're using to manufacture solid pieces of uh, construction are also pretty soft after a couple of years. Maybe there's... Uh, maybe it's not a zombie virus. Maybe it's an alien... Uh, collection of nanites that's slowly eating away at absolutely everything on the planet. Well, that could explain it because I don't think that probably what four inch or six inch plexiglass, whatever that's made out of would, would crack that easily. Oh no, I don't think it would crack at all. Well, right. Right. Because it doesn't crack like glass like that. Yeah. I've been up in the CN tower and they have a glass floor and (laughs) I'm not afraid of the glass floor. No, neither am I. there's, There's no way. And even if I, uh, you know, if I took my windows and laid them flat and then uh, left them for a couple of years and then tried to crawl a wagon over them, I'd probably worry about them a little bit, but not something that was manufactured to be a floor. No, that's right. They don't want it to fall through. Anyways, that's it. Good episode. Um, I'm super excited that the show's back and that it started strong. Now, I feel like a lot of the season premieres have been strong over the years, and then the various seasons have had their ups and downs, and I'm sure that will happen this year. But hey, man, maybe we're looking at the start of... It's a new beginning, right? We're looking at the start of something cool here, and I'm excited. Yep. That reminds me of a statement that uh, Mark, a guy I was in a band with, uh, used to say. You have, as a musician, you have your whole life to write your first album. You've got six months to write your second one. <laughs> That's right. <laughs> <laughs> so, you know, you've got a whole year to write your first episode. <laughs> you've got seven days to write your second one. All right. So maybe it's a, it's a tendency to go downhill. Well, let's hope not. And I think I'm going to keep my hopes up that season nine is going to be stellar from here on. Yeah. All right, Jason, let's take a very quick break. When we come back, we'll read some holy crap moments from people. Okay. Holy crap. Did you see that? Welcome back, everybody. It's time to read some holy crap moments from you guys, the listeners. And our first one here comes from James in Pittsburgh, Pennsylvania. He writes, holy crap. I'm not sure how physics or gravity work in this universe, 
but I'm fairly certain there hasn't been enough time to wear down marble to the degree of having a walker shamble right through it. So I think James is referring to when the zombie fell from up above and landed on the glass floor. He just sort of came through the marble railing and brought some of the railing with him. You're assuming that that railing was made out of marble. I'm thinking it was made out of styrofoam. (laughs) I'm pretty sure it looked like marble, but it could have been styrofoam painted to look like marble. Yeah, that's what I assume. You know, I don't know. The the makers of this museum really did a shoddy, shoddy job. Yeah, it's it's possible. Uh, I think what we were supposed to take away from that, though, is all the marble that had been falling onto this glass floor is what contributed to the fact that it had weakened and was so easily breakable. That makes sense. I guess it sort of makes sense. Not totally. Everything in this this world deteriorates at an alarming rate, except for zombies. They seem to, you know, have stayed the exact same amount of decayed. Well, some of, them, two years. some of them are full of spiders now, so that's that's a thing. That's okay. You know, things are full of spiders sometimes. It that, happens. That's true. Gemma in South Wales, UK, writes, My holy crap moment was the execution of Gregory. About time he got what was coming to him. It was a swift and brutal execution, but necessary to show that Maggie means business. Yep. It's amazing Gregory lasted that long anyway, and he deserved it also for what he did to Father Gabriel last year and his constant double-crossing of Maggie and the hilltop. She should have just murdered him in his sleep. It would have gone a lot easier. And I think we'd probably have less political ramifications going forward. It might. I mean, I think it will be important that there is some fallout on the show from this. Whether positive or negative, like maybe the people will for some reason rally behind Maggie and be like, you know, you did the right thing. Or maybe they will try to call her out for it and say it was an extreme punishment. Either way, I think it's important that they don't just let it go. Would you at least agree with that? I would. They can't let it go. Right. It has to be. Just don't do it this way. This is the wrong way unless you want to be evil. Sure. And that's what I'm saying. That that if the people, I mean, there has to be some fallout from it. And hopefully, for you anyways, it's that they they sort of tell her that that's not the right thing to do. Don't be evil. We don't like an evil leader. Yeah. Governor. We'll see. Anna, also from Wales, writes, holy crap, how cute is Herschel? Also, holy crap, Daryl has regained the power of speech. Hallelujah. (laughs) Yeah. (laughs) He has. And baby Herschel is super cute. I will give them that. Michael in London writes, my holy crap this week is, holy crap, that zombie right at the beginning does a better full Windsor knot in his tie than I do. Nice. He's got a professional dresser. He does. I or he lives and lived and worked in Washington D.C. And uh, from what I understand, they take ties pretty seriously there. Well, every time I see someone on TV in Washington D.C., they're wearing a suit and tie. Yeah. Coincidence? I think not. I think not. <laughs> uh, Sean on the internet writes. Holy crap, did you see that desiccated zombie full of spiders and bugs? Of course you did. So, are we to believe that the walkers are still viable with no fluid left in their bodies? So I'm not sure exactly what Sean is saying here. Is he saying that spiders would only inhabit a walker body um, if it had some fluid left in it because there was some moisture or something? I don't know. It depends on what they're doing. If they're trying to find a place to eat, then they need something with fluid. If mm-hmm. they're trying to find a place to live... I don't know. I've seen spiders live in my windowsills. They're pretty dry. They're pretty dry. There's not a lot of fluids there. They're waiting for something to fly through. Maybe the fact that this zombie is alive with its mouth wide open and walking around, this is a good way, good 
opportunity for flies to go in. I know, but it was in the basement of a museum under something covered by a sheet, and it didn't look like it had moved in a long time. Spiders are not known for making the best decisions. <laughs> They're not geniuses. <laughs> okay, well, I, I don't know. But in any case, super gross zombie, and it creeped me out, that's for sure. I'm. Uh, it didn't bother me at all. I knew what the point was, but it didn't creep me out or bother me. All right, well, try to imagine yourself in that scenario. Dark room, suddenly grabbed by a, a undead monster, and not well, only is undead it, monster, bad. Sure. Right? Undead Bunch mon- of spiders, no problem. Undead monster full of spiders, even worse, I think. Uh, there's spiders in my garage. Every time I walk into my garage, I have to walk through spider webs. <laughs> I know there's spiders in there. It doesn't bother me. Fine. I just don't want to get a spider web in my mouth. Let me know. I really hate getting hair in my mouth, too. It's the same thing. It's not the spider web, per se. It's uh-huh. the stringy, stupid thing that's in my mouth. Fair enough. Uh, let me know next time you encounter an undead monster in your garage, though, and I'll see how you feel. I'll, uh, you better believe I'll keep an eye out, that's for sure. Adam in Texas writes, my holy crap has to be the red shirt in a blue shirt. As soon as we see the kid in the blue shirt, I immediately knew he'd be dead before the end of the episode. It's kind of annoying when they make it so obvious who's going to go. And also, this far into the zombie apocalypse, how the hell does anyone get ambush bit anymore? Well, you're, when you're making stupid decisions about running back to save a horse, which is important because horses are uh, important. Yeah. But it's not that he got ambushed or it's that he did it. He had a stupid decision. You know, he was running back to save a horse that was probably unsavable. In fact, I think I might've saw that horse lying on the ground uh, a few scenes later. Oh, dang. So I, I think the, the horse would have died anyway. I didn't notice that. That's too bad. Um, I sort of agree that. Yeah, it's uh, people people shouldn't get bit unexpectedly anymore, but it was a chaotic situation. He was he was trying to do something good by saving that horse and maybe it was the wrong decision, but um there were zombies all around and he became the victim of one. Uh as for knowing immediately that he was going to get killed off, I can see I can see that. That being said, I didn't really think about it at the beginning when we first met him, so I was no. slightly surprised. Yeah, I was a little, I was surprised. I don't want to say I was surprised. What's the right word? Uh, it was unexpected, but it didn't surprise me because I didn't think he wasn't going to die, but I didn't think he was going to die. I just didn't give a shit whether he died or not. I think that probably is the same. Th- I thought uh, Ezekiel was going to die, and I think he should have died. Yeah, he was in a much more dangerous situation probably when he was dangling yeah. there. He was being pulled by like 30 zombies. There's no way that that one rope could have... Anyway, I harped about this before. He's dead as far as... He's dead to me. I'm not... In the show, the consequences of that action means that he's dead, even though the glass floor shouldn't have broke and they should have uh, fixed it uh, so that it wouldn't have broken and they shouldn't have brought the wagon down the stairs. So it's all kind of a moot point anyway. Yeah, I'm not sure when you say he was being pulled at by 30 zombies, they actually all got a good grip on him, but I see what you're saying. Like he should have probably, he was close enough to them that it probably shouldn't have ended so well for him. Yeah. And he, at the very least should have learned from this situation that cut your hair, having a bunch of dreadlocks like that is just an invitation for zombies to get a hold of your head. Mm. That's something we've learned. Yeah. Before that's right. Him and Michonne both like, Short cropped hair, uh, not even uh, uh, 
Aaron's beard was a good idea because that's still grabbable by a zombie, right? Yeah. Keep everything short, wrap yourself in rubber, and you're, <laughs> you should be good to go. Did Rosita ever cover, cut her hair? She at least wears it up under a hat most of the time, right? See, that, that'll work. You know, the dreadlocks, bad idea. Yeah, she knows what she's doing. bad idea. All right, uh, moving on. Chris in Las Vegas writes, holy crap, did you see that they revealed the name of Maggie's baby is Herschel in such a subtle way that a lot of people probably completely missed it. When they found out at the bridge, when they found out that the bridge was destroyed, Maggie said, I have to get back to Herschel. And that's it. Right. They just said his name. So good stuff. Obviously, Herschel was her father's name. Uh, And finally, Sally on the internet writes, holy crap, I just asked for a wedding on Fear the Walking Dead, and now we may be getting one on The Walking Dead. Wow, very nice. I'm happy to see Carol get some happiness. No, we're not going to get a wedding. Carol's going to bolt. If if, uh, Ezekiel keeps pushing, she's just going to run. I hope not. I want to see, I like them as a couple. I want to see them together and happy yes but that's why he shouldn't push her sure. she's gonna run if he pushes her she's, he's just gotta relax yeah and well, don't scare her off maybe he will now i think that's what he learned in this episode that he's just he didn't take learn time. shit he learned all this is a game now that i'm going to keep playing until you learn to play it my way but she's not going to play it your way man she plays it her own way yeah carol for sure all right well i hope it doesn't go sour for them because i like them she might shoot you in the head You've got to be careful, dude. <laughs> be careful. <laughs> yeah. All right. Uh, thanks to everyone who wrote in. Not a ton of holy craps, and I think there may be two reasons for that. Number one, it's the first episode of the season, so people are getting back into the swing of things. And number two, we're recording on Monday instead of Tuesday, so some people probably figured they had the extra day to to write in. So sorry about that, but next time we'll be back to the Tuesday night schedule, so you will have that extra time to write in. Right. Uh, all right. That is going to do it for this podcast. Uh, next week, season nine, episode two on The Walking Dead. The episode is called The Bridge. So it's going to be all about repairing that bridge, I figure. Uh, but if you'd like to hear your voice on the podcast, do a title read for The Bridge and send it in to us. Record that on your phone. Fire me the audio file and I will play as many as I can. It's always super fun to hear people's interpretations of those. Um, but before that, we have to say that we normally do a feedback show when the walking dead is on and that will come later this week. Now, the only problem there is I unfortunately have to travel this week for work, so I'm not going to be at home and I'm not sure exactly what my schedule is going to be like over the next little while. Um, so we might have to play a little fast and loose with the recording time, but I really, really intend to get something done and get something up but please bear with us on the schedule this week a little bit work always gets in the way of stuff like this right yeah it's you know work life balance is a tough bitch to crack work podcast balance is is i meant nut (laughs) tough nut to crack (laughs) yeah i'm glad you corrected that (laughs) yeah i apologize although i didn't even really pick up on it but anyways um So feedback show, Uh, we will do our best to get something out uh, later this week because I'm sure there will be lots. Um, And speaking of feedback, if you'd like to send us some, visit TalkingDeadPodcast.com, click on send voicemail at the top, and you can record a message right into your computer. You can also just record it on your phone, uh, just like with title reads, and send me the audio file if you would like. I would love to get those. 
Um, or you can send email to talkingdeadpodcast at gmail.com. That is a super easy way to get in touch as well. And then, of course, find us on Twitter at Talking Dead or on Facebook at facebook.com slash the Talking Dead. All right, we will be back later in the week. And then, of course, next week for season nine, episode two. Until then, everyone, my name is Chris. My name is Jason. Thanks for listening. Bye.